This is To Dare is Human with your host, Adam Connor. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Adam Connor, and this is To Dare is Human, a show about leaps of faith, jumps into passions, and the stories made along the way. If you're new to the show, then happy Wednesday. Welcome to this feature-length interview. Strap in. Nah, it's not feature length. Uh, As you can see on your app or wherever you're listening, this is closer to 30 minutes. But I also do shorter daily episodes, not on Wednesdays, which are just a few minutes apiece. So if you like shorter shows, then you should check one of those out next. Might I suggest one from this week? Those would be episodes 54 and 55. Some pretty great motivational snippets there. Today, I have a story of a dare into the world of writing. Caroline Kitchener, author of Postgrad, had her sights on law school after a college career full of internships and other experiences in journalism, based on the assumption that it was just impossible to get a good gig writing full-time. But she randomly, and I use randomly with big air quotes, which you can't see, obviously, got a book deal and through it pursued her passion of sharing stories through the written word. Throughout this interview, Caroline describes just how much work, and we call it plan as part of the three Ps which define a successful leap of faith on this show, went into this so-called random ticket to making a life out of what she loves. I'll let her describe the rest on what her dare has entailed since she entered the same post-grad world her book illuminates. And I'll be back at the end of the interview with more on how you can interact with her work. Also, this just has the side benefit of me talking less up front and shutting up more. I got some feedback on that, so I'm trying something new, all right, just to see how it feels. Remember, I love feedback, so keep it coming. For now, here's post-grad author and post-grad darer, I should say, Caroline Kitchener. I've talked a lot on this show and you've heard it through season one and perhaps on the YouTube videos through the season to date about my passion for presentation. And that didn't start overnight. In fact, it started in high school when I participated in speech and debate. I was more on the speech side. Debate was not my cup of tea. And I was all about writing my own pieces and delivering performances for audiences as little as 10 people to as many as hundreds to speak my mind. And I spoke a lot about taking risks and standing up to adversity, but I didn't start out there. I started actually presenting other folks' pieces. And my first big tournament that I went to, I was fortunate enough to get like deep enough into the competition to go against some really serious talent, including our guest for today. It's how I met her. And I remember back then, I believe the speech was by Hillary Clinton, but I'm not entirely sure. She then went on to write a speech that included some things on Hillary Clinton about feminism, about being a woman, uh, and eventually pursued her passion, went to Princeton, was very impressive, graduated, came out and released a book, which is all about life after college, specifically the first year. It profiles five women and their stories in their one year post-grad, and that's the title of the book, Post-Grad. I'm pleased to present uh, our interview for this week with the author of that book, Caroline Kishner. Caroline, how are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, uh, six, I don't know, I think back to like, that first national tournament was 08. We graduated in 10. Six or I think so. I, I think that might have happened once. It has been a long time. It was a long time to see. Uh, certainly a long time since we competed against each other, and you've certainly been up to a lot. Um, 
Nah, nah. We, uh, we, we, we both, we both went against plenty, and and I, we came up up against each other a lot, but um, certainly had had a had a heck of a good time. And and you, you know, dove straight into what I mean. You really lived what you spoke about. Now you've you've written this book. You, you've you've become uh, the writer that that you were in competition in a classroom, and now. Uh, are doing it for audiences of millions, and that's been that's been really awesome to see. And guys, I really I should be having this live because Caroline lives like twenty minutes down the road, and I am just not. I I guess I'm not tracking. Like I said, you know, this is all we're sort of hacking this together, right? We have one episode where I like had some problems with technical difficulties. Another episode where I had dogs barking. We might get some cats in this one, but. We're just trying to make it work. And so in this case, uh, I've got a local here with me, but I wanted to dive into your story. Now, uh, because the majority of um, why I'm interested in talking to you has to do with the book and has to do with your journey after school, let's start with senior year of college. Let's go back there. I know that you've had a passion for writing since childhood, but you came out of school and you, is that when you started the idea for the book? How long had this been percolating in your head? I was actually, um, I actually got the book deal when I was at the beginning of my senior year uh, in college. And that it kind of happened very randomly. I had always loved to write, but I really never thought, I was, I was about to go to law school. Like I didn't think there was any way that I would be able to make a living as a writer ever. Um, so I, uh, I, had, I had interned at The Atlantic for the summer before my senior year, and I'd written a couple of articles, and I got this email that said, hey, I'm an editor at Penguin. Would you like to talk to me about potentially writing a book? And I said, uh, well, first of all, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was spam. Just like a fake. It did not occur to me that this could be a real thing. And, uh, but then I, I eventually responded and we talked on the phone and, and that kind of got the ball rolling, um, at the beginning of my senior year. Wow. So I, cause I was about to ask questions, I was about to interrupt you, but it's good that you mentioned that. I was like, well, I randomly slip. how do you randomly slip into a book deal? But I get it. Uh, somebody who's obviously very interested in your writing. And so how did this particular topic come up? That being the topic of life post-grad and perceptions of women in the workplace and women straight out of school. Um, I mean, honestly, it was, I, I, had, I had written about college women throughout college, different issues that, that I felt like that demographic faced. Um, but that was, I was writing about that because that was what I knew. And, and I always think you can, you can write best about the things that you live. And I, um, I, I, had, done, I had done pieces on that. And, and it was really, it came from somebody else. It came from my agent who said, um, the, the editor said, oh, you should write a book about, about women in college. And I said, yeah, 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 okay. And, but then it was my agent who came to me and said, Caroline, I think the more interesting story is what happens when everybody leaves. And that, yes, absolutely, she was right. But it hadn't really occurred to me because I hadn't lived that part of my life yet. So um, I didn't really know if it was going to be difficult or interesting or significant year. Um, until I was actually living it and supposed to be writing about it, right. um, yeah, it kind of came. It kind of came to me, um, yeah, and that, that's that's the that's the honest answer to that question. 
And so for, for those of us who haven't uh, read the book, and I will encourage you all to go out and find it, we'll talk about that a little bit later. What was your experience personally like in that first year after w- diving into the, the corporate world or just the working world of, of writing as you were doing? What what was that like and what do you think um, made it unique to the female experience? Because I know that that's a little different. It's something obviously personally I have no experience with, but it's something I've talked about a lot, especially with folks who uh, featured on season one in our Wonder Woman series. But I want to get your take as well. Um, maybe a little taste of the book, whatever it is. But what was that like for you as you were experiencing, as you said? It was so hard. Was your first year hard? Yeah. I mean, well, my first year was like, so my first year was I was in a sales job, the same sales job I'm in now. And I was just... I, at the time I was just given these massive pieces of business. Yeah, just go and sell this. And I was like, okay, but I've got to go and act like a thought partner and leader in front of people who are vastly more experienced than I. And and what, what can I offer? What can I truly offer? So, um, yeah, I felt like a, like a very small fish in, in, in the Pacific ocean. Yeah. I really struggled that year and I struggled in ways that I never really thought I would. I had been so focused. I think this is true. This was true for pretty much everybody that I wrote about. Um, so I wrote about four other women besides myself. Um, we all were expecting. We had just been. We had been focused so much on the job that we were going to have. Um, you know, over the course of senior year, we were so caught up in what the corporate life. You know, in what 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 our professional life was going to be, and then. When we graduated, we realized that actually the thing we were going to struggle most with was the relationship part of it and the, the, the loss of community part of it. I mean, we, um, you know, you, you leave college and you have this like amazing built-in friend network of, you know, best friends and, and mentors and significant others and whatever, um, but everybody is there and then suddenly everybody's not there. And that's something that nobody really prepared me for. And really took me by surprise, um, the loneliness aspect of the, the life after college. And, um, and I think particularly, I, I, I think that men and women actually um, both experience this. And, you know, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, follow, I didn't follow men, but, but, I, but I think that I think the, the issues are similar. Um, and, 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 and trying to figure out how much you should... Um, how much weight you should put in those relationships after you graduate. Because I think coming, I mean, you went to Harvard, like it's kind of a, it, coming from an elite school, it's, um, there's so much pressure on your professional life that you feel like you're not supposed to value the other stuff. And and that was really confusing and hard after we graduated. And yeah, that's the, I was going to say that the, the the time and the effort that you are expected to put forth as a contributing member of society in the professional world uh, far outweighs um, any interpersonal connections that you, you are meant to sustain. And and whether that is a you know friendship, keeping friends with all these people who have now blasted themselves all across the country doing and all across the world doing God knows what. Um, but I, I think romantically as well, and I, and I want to bring up that point because th- this was uh, something that you had almost written it's not necessarily in response to, but it was a piece of advice that was given, which was that women at Princeton should have the goal of finding a husband. And um, how did you take that? I guess, what was your initial reaction to that? And how did you incorporate that into into your work? Well, that really pissed me off uh, yeah. a lot. And it pissed everybody. It pissed all the women it's off. It's a polarizing opinion. I would hope that it pissed all the men off too. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I, I had such a I had such a negative reaction to that because there was this. So the the, the letter it was a it was a letter to the editor in our school paper, and the woman was a mother of a guy in my class, and a um, I think a Princeton alum herself actually. And um, her message was deprioritize academics. Um, this is the time to be focusing on finding a husband because like you are now surrounded by all of these eligible men. And um, yes, that was very, uh, I mean, obviously like not what you want to hear as an empowered woman. No, of course not. But I think that the backlash, like there was such a backlash to that, that it made me feel like I had to go totally in the other extreme. Like you are not allowed to prioritize relationships at all because that is a sign of weakness. That is a sign of being like this woman who, you know, is it, it just, it, it's just, it's not an empowered thing to do at all, valuing relationships. And um, I, over the course of the year, I think that my view on that changed a lot. So in that first year, and I, I guess in the subsequent year, since it's been a few now, how did you, to what extent did you work to find, I guess, the middle ground between the one side that you said of no deep, you know, deprioritized relationships and this other side, which obviously pissing you off, piss a lot of people off of, uh, no, that's the only thing you should prioritize. How did you, how did you like tiptoe back from both ends to find an equal allocation of time between professional work and, and personal connection? Well, I was pretty lucky because, um, so I, I, um, my boyfriend and I have been dating at the time had been dating for three years. And, um, so we were in a very serious relationship and luckily because I was doing the book, I had a lot of flexibility and he was here. So I came here with him. So I, I didn't really have to give much up. Um, and I, you know, I, it was never really a huge question of whether I would go to DC because why not? Like I could be anywhere. It, it would have been a little bit better for me professionally, uh, quite a, uh, it would have been a little better for me to be in DC, uh, and to be in New York professionally, um, because that's where like the whole writing world exists and mm -hmm. that's where, um, uh, two of my subjects were. So, um, but you know, I was like, no, that's not, you know, this is worth it. So, um, so I was pretty lucky in that I didn't have to make any huge sacrifices. Other women in the book did. And, um, like watching them navigate that was, and, and, and navigating it, you know, alongside them as they made their decisions was really interesting. Um, it was really hard. I would imagine that th there is always, I mean, you can't please everybody. I'm sure there's always some backlash when it comes to, you know, you're, you're, you're following your boyfriend or following a man, regardless of professional intent, regardless of opportunity lost, whatever. But um, I can understand why it's lucky for you. And uh, you've just said, so I'm going to go right back to what you said. The folks that you interviewed, the four of the women that you interviewed and profiled in this book uh, were not so lucky. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about those stories and, and the learnings that that you have brought about from hearing about experiences that were perhaps slightly more dire than your own. Yeah. Um, so one, the, the, the woman that, that comes to mind first in this is, um, uh, her name is Denise. She actually met her now who has become a long-term boyfriend, like the week after graduation on the New York subway. <laughs> <laughs> and like, really, like just I immediately had this amazing connection with this guy. And, um, but then she was applying to medical school that year. And it was like constantly, it was so hard because she had to apply to schools in like September, October. And she had started dating this guy in like June, July. And um, when she was applying to schools, it was 
quite clear, like I should not consider basing my med school decision on this guy. I just met him. Um, but then by the time she had to make her decision in like March, April, she really wanted to. Um, and, and she didn't, because she didn't really have that many options because she hadn't planned for this and uh, Yeah, I won't I won't uh, say what she what she decided, but she was super super torn I mean med school had been her dream forever and You know she she got to you know, she's she, she, there was a point in the year where she was considering you know go to this one really good med school I got into go to a med school that is you know pretty like far below the one that I got into or just put med school on hold indefinitely and, and see where this relationship goes. So, um, yeah, seeing her, her try to figure out what, what she wanted. Um, you know, she, she just went back and forth so many times. And based on what, what you have learned from her story and the story of so many others that, that you write about, um, what, what advice would you give to somebody in, in that position? I mean, somebody who, uh, is like you said, torn between, um, you call it professional versus personal, whatever it is, one opportunity versus another one where the heart's entwined and one where perhaps the wallet or the brain is entwined. I'm not sure, but like, what, what would you, yeah. I mean, if anything, I mean, what could you say? I don't think there's any one answer, right? Everybody's situation is going to be different. I would say that my advice for this is to find somebody um, so to make sure that whoever you're with is somebody who is, you know, if you make sacrifices for them, they, you are a hundred percent sure that they will make sacrifices for you in the future. Um, because I, I think that that's, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of older women, a lot of very um, professionally successful older women, um, about this particular issue. And, um, and they say like, this is a back and forth thing, you know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you know somebody gets a really awesome job in a place, and you say, "Okay, I'll go," knowing that in five years, when she gets a really awesome job in another place, he will go. Um, and 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 that's that's the key. I mean, it's it's not it's not always that easy, um, but but I think that's the ideal. Were you ever surprised by uh, folks that you were, um, uh, I guess, getting advice from these mentors, these older women? Uh, were you ever surprised at, at like? Did you ever come across a view that was um, maybe not exactly like, but even similar to that view proposed in that letter to the editor, and and if so, how do you, how do you, I guess, ad, uh, either adapt your personality or mentality or respond to somebody who says, well, actually, I think she had a point. Oh, that was so. So did I did I come? Wait, did I come across anybody who believed what? Um, the letter to the editor lady believed or who, who disagreed? No, I mean, perhaps disagreed, like to the extent to which that person said, but you know, did you have anybody who, who understood where that woman was coming from and, and, and how, how often do you run into that and how do you respond to it when you, when you do hear Like, obviously that letter to the editor was to the editor. It wasn't responded, you know, directly to you. Has anybody ever said that view directly to you and how do you respond to that? People, I mean, people at school, like, really, I was at school when she published this thing, and, like, people were so mad. Like, I mean, maybe some people agreed with her, but they were not saying that they believed with her, so maybe it was, like, the Trump effect. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was very, um, very, 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 very negative. Um, I was a uh, gender and sexuality studies certificate in school, and that entire department was like publishing editorials, like, you know, really, those professors were pissed off and sure. did whatever they could to make sure that we knew, um, the, the, the undergraduate women in that program knew that, 
you know, this was not the case. And, you know, we were not, this is not what we needed to be focusing on. Right. Of course. Uh, well, it, you know, it, it certainly seems, and I guess, talk about, let, let's, let's turn to a slightly happier note. Let, let's talk about when the book was published. Now, you have uh, been sort of on a mini tour. You've been doing book appearances and, and, and talking about uh, your success and going on news hour and all these great uh, bits of media attention that you're receiving. Uh, talk about that because that's sort of on the other side of like setting yourself up for success. Now you've done this book. It, it's, it's a big hit. Everybody loves it. And you're getting all this attention. I mean, what, what has that been like? To, are, where, did you think you'd be used to that? Like, are you still, are you even used to it now? Like, what's, what's the other side? Like, give us a taste. It's just, it's, I, I guess that the best part of having a book out there is that I had been in my head with this book for three years. I'd been working on this book and like all of my friends knew that I was working on it, but like nobody knew what it was, you know, and I, I couldn't really, I could like talk to people about what it was about, but I couldn't really talk to people about it. And the best part of having this thing out is that, you know, the, the period of time when like all of my good friends were reading it and, and, and like now, now, now it's, you know, now all my good friends have read it and now it's acquaintances who's still like, you know, who still message me about it. But it's so cool to have them be like, oh my God, I love Alex. She's the best. And I'm like, yes, she is the best. I love her too. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like, it's really cool to have them respond to specific things um, that have like consumed so much of my mind for so long. That's been the best part. Um, the publicity stuff is really weird and, and nutty and just pretty like random. Like it's just like, I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing that I got to do was to go on PBS NewsHour and that the woman who asked me to do that read about my event in the bookstore newsletter. Like it was really, you know, it's, it's, it's totally random when you get these things. Um, so it's always like, really nice when that happened <laughs> yeah it's serendipitous as i as i it sounds like much of this story was uh, you know all from the book deal all the way through to now any publicity you might have um so that's been great you know it's it's awesome to hear about that success and and, and everybody should go out and we're going to talk about that in two questions time about exactly where they can find this but i'm going to start with the first of two questions and i already asked uh, i told you before but uh before we started this interview but i ask everybody the same two questions uh towards the end of these things and the first has to do with pushing somebody over the edge in the safest way possible and the second has to do with shameless self-plugging but i'll start with the first say that there is and i know that there is um Somebody who maybe is a woman who's about to graduate um, has been focused on this one type of life, whether that is uh, going after a relationship, whether it is going after a career, and maybe they want to jump into something that they that they didn't consider before. Their world's being shattered and they have these new views and maybe they want to write a book. Maybe they want to uh, focus on something else entirely or dive into a passion or something that they love. But at the same time, they're risk averse. They feel like they must do whatever they thought they had to do. Maybe they came from an elite background and that was the expectation. For somebody who is looking to jump or make a leap of faith or do anything that is not the scheduled road that they thought they would be on, given your experience, what would you tell that person or share from your experience that would push them over that edge into giving it a shot? I would tell them to take as much money as they can and go on like a two month backpacking trip somewhere weird 
um, like travel, like just go. And I think that the best thing, like the, the time when I feel, I, I've done a lot of traveling. I lived in China for a year after graduation while I was writing the book. And I think that the time when I feel most empowered to take risks is when I am out of this context. Because like, especially, I mean, DC can be such a like competitive, like just, everybody is like gunning for that ladder that next rung on that ladder and like if you just want to escape the ladder it's so hard to do it when you're here because you're like oh man no I should be doing that I should be I should be working my way up that ladder but um if you allow yourself to leave for a little while it's like the the perspective that you can get from um from time like that for me has been like so invaluable hmm that's an interesting one. I haven't heard that one. I, and I'm glad that it wasn't because uh, a lot of times, that's happened in season one a lot. People were just like, just do it. Just do it. And I was like, at first, because I was like, I, I had no idea how to do this podcast or media or anything. I was like, okay, yeah, well, you heard it from them. Just do it. But that's, that is great. I've never heard anybody say, you know what, just drop everything. And it makes sense. I don't think you're more likely to take risks or, or, or take a further step outside of your comfort zone once you are already outside of that comfort zone. And uh, you can hear about five such journeys in post-grad, this wonderful book that Caroline has written. Uh, now it's time to do that shameless self-plug. Where can folks go and check you out, check your content out, what you're writing currently, what you have already written, and finally that book? Yeah. Um, so the book is in uh, most bookstores and on Amazon. Um, it. I, I am now a uh, writer and editor at The Atlantic. So if you go on The Atlantic, you can read my stuff there. Um, where else? I have a website, carolinekitchener.com. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. I think I covered all my bases. Good. Okay. Well, you heard it from her. Go check out the stuff. She, she's writing content constantly for The Atlantic and has also uh, published that book, Postgrad. Check it out. Bookstores everywhere and Amazon. The author, Caroline Kitchener, uh, would have been in the Wonder Woman series. We've done this in season one. Very grateful to have her in season two. Caroline, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, Adam. Post Grad by Caroline Kitchener, available most everywhere books are. I'll leave an Amazon link in the show notes. Elsewhere on social media, facebook.com slash Kitchener C, Twitter at C.A. Kitchener, carolinekitchener.com, all places where you can engage and learn more about Caroline's work. Caroline, thanks so much for joining me, and next time I'll just get on the damn train. To hear more from this program and to keep up to date, head on over to the podcasts app or wherever you listen and subscribe to this show. And by the way, if you have time while you're at it, leave me a rating. All right. Five stars. He's great. One star. He sucks. I would really appreciate that. Regardless of what you think, the social proof is really, really wonderful. And if you'd like to add a couple words in there in the form of a review, that's just a little more eloquent than a, than a one star. Elsewhere, you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at ToDareIsHuman. Want to write me an email? Okay. Hello at ToDareIsHuman.com. And that website, by the way, is where I aggregate everything. And I'll take your feedback there too. Suggestions for new content, connections to new guests, overall feedback for me. That is it. All right. I'll be back again. Not tomorrow. It's Thanksgiving. I'm taking a break on Friday for the dailies and next Wednesday for the full length features with another great story to be shared, another great dare to be divulged. And until then, I've been your host, Adam Connor. Thanks so much for listening. And you'll hear from me again tomorrow. No, what? I just said it. Friday. Goodbye. Like what you hear? Stay up to date with To Dare is Human by subscribing and following across social media. And until next time, keep daring.